0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and if my audio sounds weird or crappy, it is probably both. I am unexpectedly not at home and don't have a mic with me. So I didn't want to skip the podcast altogether, but this isn't like a real podcast episode. I don't even think I'm going to number this one. I just wanted to pop in Otherwise, I'm going to get a slew of messages. I can't find the Saturday episode. So here it is. If you follow me on social, you might have seen that this week threw us some curveballs. Some pretty major curveballs that uh, forced a impromptu impromptu road trip. So let me get you up to speed, give you a little update, and then the podcast will be back to normal on Monday, and we'll just kind of skip over today. For those of you who are interested in an update, here it is, and if you are not interested in a personal update, you got a thousand other episodes you can listen to, and we'll be back to normal on Monday. so last Friday, I had a routine doctor's appointment to check on the twins currently pregnant with twin girls, and before I got pregnant with twins, I always thought twins were either identical or fraternal. But it's actually a little bit more detailed than that. The majority of twins, about 70%, are what's known as di-di twins, D-I slash D-I. And that refers to uh, diamniotic dichorionic, uh, meaning that each twin has their own placenta and their own sac. But the twins that we're carrying, I'm carrying, we're pregnant with, are mono dye, meaning that they do have their own sac. There's two sacs, di, but there's only one placenta. That type of twin is more high risk. The reason being, when they're sharing a placenta, there are some challenges that can come with that. One of the challenges is that in 25% of the cases of folks who are carrying mono twins you can develop what's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, or TTTS. So if the total pie of twins, you know, only 25% of them are not di-di, or roughly 30% of them are not di-di, then you take an even smaller piece of that, You might see twin-to-twin transfusion in as many as 25% of the cases, but the majority of the time with twin-to-twin transfusion, it doesn't progress. It doesn't become severe uh, and require surgical intervention. But of course, I wanted to avoid TTTS altogether. Well, last Friday when I went in for my routine appointment, we were unfortunately diagnosed with... TTTS. But they said my doctor was so reassuring and basically said the majority of times it just stays in this initial stage one and you watch it. And most of the time you don't have to do anything other than watch it more closely. So I was like, okay, you know, still not what I wanted to hear, but I was optimistic. And they wanted to check me again more, more quickly than they otherwise would have. They suggested a week. So I went in last Friday. They wanted to see me this, the following Friday, which would have been yesterday. I wasn't comfortable waiting a week because, yeah, I didn't want it to progress. But if it did, I feared that if it continued to progress day by day, that waiting a week might be too long. So we settled on coming in the following Tuesday. So this past Tuesday... We're going to come in and get checked again. And I was just storming heaven that it wouldn't be any worse. And when I went in on Tuesday, I could tell pretty quickly just from the sonographer's body language that it was worse. It's tough to see visually for yourself because it's based on specific measurements and some anatomical things that are happening. Um, But, you know, I just, I sort of had a vibe that it wasn't good news. I was there by myself because my husband, Chris, was home taking care of Roman while I was up in Boston for my appointment. And I started texting him and I said, I don't know anything yet, but... I, I'm not getting good vibes here. And, and I mean, in terms of the results, everybody where I am seen is, is top notch. So shortly thereafter, the maternal fetal, maternal fetal medicine doc came in and confirmed that in the matter of what three days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, it had gotten measurably worse and the girls were at risk twins were at risk. And she said, we need you to have surgery. But there are only a few places in the country that do this surgery on babies in utero. Because as you can imagine, that's a very complicated thing. The womb is very sensitive and very fragile. So before she even told me where those places were, I said, you tell me the best place to go and that's where we'll go. At that point, I didn't give a shit if insurance was going to cover it. Like, And I understood this was not going to be like a you know, $10,000 thing. This is going to be a big thing. But honestly, at that point, it didn't matter. I was going to go wherever was best. And she said Johns Hopkins, which is in Baltimore, about seven hours away six and a half hours away from where we live. And I knew nothing at that point, but I texted Chris and said, start packing, call your mom. We you have to go to Baltimore for surgery. And y'all, I'm not crying telling this story. And so many people have commented when I gave the update yesterday on social media, like you're so strong, you're so strong. I don't even really know what strong means, But I'm a feeler, especially when it comes to my babies, especially with the road that we have walked for our babies and with our babies. Um, So I was was a bit of a mess and I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm not apologizing for that at all. I was absolutely a mess and I didn't really understand because here's the thing, you can Google things and you can get statistics, but as all of the surgeons have told me every day since... The statistics don't really mean anything because they're not related to your specific case. So that day, Tuesday, was spent in Boston talking with my doctors there about why we needed to get this done and what was likely to happen. And as I drove home from Boston, I was on the phone with Johns Hopkins uh, and they said, can you be here tonight for an appointment in the morning? And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, and it's funny because typically you just jump on a plane, right? And get a direct flight from Boston to Baltimore, no big deal. But I don't know if you've been following the news lately. The airlines have just been a disaster. And when when Chris was traveling a couple couple weeks ago, he was just cancel flight after delay, after delay, and that's continued to happen. So I knew I didn't want to risk... Getting a flight and having it be delayed or canceled and missing an appointment and you know spending a day and a half in an airport when you thought you were only going to be there for a couple of hours. So we decided to drive, but I didn't want to leave Roman. I've not I've not ever been away from Roman, and I knew that that would be an added stressor to be away from him and not know how long we were going to be in Baltimore. So we decided to take him with us, and we made the drive right around his bedtime. We left and uh, arrived in Baltimore around two o'clock in the morning. Fortunately, my husband's mom, my mother-in-law, is currently working in DC temporarily. So she was only an hour away and was able to meet up with us and play with Ro and give him a great time while we were doing all the things we needed to do to prep for surgery and have surgery and all of that. And we were able to get a hotel right next to the hospital. So Chris was able to go home and go back to the hotel and be there with Roman every night and put him to bed at night, which is huge for me. Like just a massive weight off of my shoulders to know that Roman still had that, that piece of consistency. That was huge for me. So Wednesday we went into Johns Hopkins and, uh, spent, five or six hours talking with sonographers and getting better looks at the babies and meeting with surgeons. And uh, there's there's a lot of the details that are honestly just still very raw and fresh. So I'm not going to get into a whole lot of, of the details, but I do know so many of you have been praying and are continuing to pray. And so I, I wanted to take this opportunity, especially since we're not doing a real podcast, to loop you in. So I'm sure that as you listen to this, you're going to have questions and know that I'm sharing what I feel comfortable sharing, and I'm not sharing what I don't feel comfortable sharing. And I'm just, I, I always feel blessed. to I feel like I have the best community and tribe on the internet because we all know there are some communities and tribes on the internet that straight suck. <laughs> and this is not one of them. And I this is just another opportunity for me to feel so grateful for how amazingly supportive you all are. Uh, when we sat down with the surgeons, I had said to my best friend, who's a doctor, the day before, I was like, You know what's odd is that they didn't present any other options. They didn't say you can have surgery or you can do this, and the pros and cons are this. Like, I said, I- it's not that I'm looking for another option, but I just think it's crazy that they didn't present us with other options. Well, on Wednesday at Johns Hopkins, they did. We were sitting in a conference room with the surgeon after three hours of scans on the babies. And the surgeon slid a form in front of me that basically said, I want you to understand your options. And I had to select which of these options I would choose. Option number one was do nothing. And if we did nothing the babies would both die. Option number two was eliminate, terminate, kill one of the babies. Uh, And option number two was to terminate both. And option number three was the surgery. Oh, that's four. Option number four was the surgery. So do nothing, kill one of the babies, end the pregnancy altogether and terminate both or have the surgery. So check the box to have the surgery. Let me tell you a little bit more about what twin-to-twin transfusion can mean. And, and, and somebody posted uh, when I when I shared this in the Primal Potential Facebook group, my mother-in-law was saying somebody in there commented with a link about twin-to-twin transfusion. And the important thing to know is that it's different in every single case. It's not this straightforward thing like you break a leg and your leg is broken. Uh, it is very different case by case. But essentially what happens is that one baby is getting too much fluid and too much nutrients and the other baby is not getting enough. That is equally dangerous to both babies, but for very different reasons. So obviously in the baby that's not getting enough, they can not have enough to survive. That's pretty straightforward. But there are other health complications that come along with not having enough fluid. And for the what they call the uh, recipient baby, the baby that is the recipient of the excess, there are also all sorts of health challenges that come for them. Like there's just more fluid and more nutrients than their tiny bodies can process. And that causes a lot of challenges for their organ systems and the environment in which they're growing. So One of the things that you can see that we unfortunately saw on the ultrasound on Tuesday is that for the baby that's not getting enough fluid, they don't produce urine because they don't have enough fluid to do so. And so you lose sight of their bladder on ultrasound. Like you can, you no longer see that baby's bladder. And that's the situation we were in on Tuesday with that particular baby. In addition to that, the membrane that is separating the twins from each other was wrapped kind of like saran wrap around the baby with less fluid because there wasn't enough fluid to be a buffer there. So there are all sorts of risks along with that for both babies, uh, not just the baby who's being impacted by the proximity of the membrane. For the baby that's getting too much fluid, one of the things that can happen that we saw is that there's too much fluid going through the heart and the heart isn't strong enough to open and close for that much fluid. So there's ventricular backflow. So instead of like the the fluid, the blood going in where it needs to go in and then closing, it like slides back and forth. The, The chambers of the heart aren't able to fully open and close the way that they need to. And we were seeing that with the baby with excess fluid along with some other things. So what they what they do in this procedure is uh, mom's awake, so I was I was fully awake. They do like a, a topical local anesthetic. They might as well not, by the way. Um, and they put a tube through the belly, through the abdomen, into the uterus. Which is the uterus doesn't like that, and they're looking around to see, okay, what are the major blood vessels here, what are the ones that are shared, and essentially they're it's 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 like a very, very very complicated map, and they're trying to figure out which can we close, which blood vessels can we close so that we equalize the distribution of resources here, but we don't close any major channels. We don't impact any of mom's blood vessels. Uh, we don't rupture the membrane. There's all sorts of things that that you don't want to do. And my case was a little extra complicated because of the positioning of my placenta. I won't go into details there, but also because of the location of the umbilical cords in my case That was just a little extra complicated. So they weren't sure that they were going to be able to get in there and not only see what they needed to be able to see to make decisions about what to close and what to leave open, but also access, right? Because the babies are actively moving and that limits access, but the access is also limited by the umbilical cords, by uh, the, the... the babies, I mean, there's so many different things that, that impact access, the placenta impacts access. So, uh, they were feeling like it was, uh, a little more on the complex side. And, you know, when I talk to surgeons, I'm like, listen, if you were me, if you were pregnant, carrying these twins and knowing everything, you know, would you be feeling like we have a good chance of a good outcome Would you be feeling like it's probably time to prepare for the worst? Like help me set my own mental expectations. And what I would have loved to hear is, I feel really confident about this. Uh, This looks pretty straightforward and I think you're, I think you're going to be in a good, a good place. And we didn't hear that. And that's, that's always tough for me. Um, what they explained to me, and I think I didn't do a good job of explaining this well in the Facebook uh, post and the Instagram post based on the, you know a lot of the responses, but it's a complicated thing. So I'm not surprised I didn't explain it well and I'm tired. So what they explained to me is it's not as simple as like, was surgery successful? Yes or no? Because it's not just about getting out of the surgery. There, There are weeks and A couple of months ahead of are they still responding okay to what we did is what we did still sufficient so everyone and the surgeons and the nurses and the sonographers at hopkins were all incredible and exceeded my expectations by a million miles i mean they were incredible and i just feel so grateful for that because that has just such a huge impact on your experience emotionally. So they said, let's talk milestones. The first milestone is that the twins survive the surgery and that mom survives the surgery. The risks are way higher for the twins in surgery than for me, but there's you know a, a chance that they accidentally laser one of my blood vessels, arteries, you know, that that can absolutely happen for any number of reasons. So the risks are a lot higher for the twins, but they're not negligible for me. So they said milestone 1 is can we get in and get out and everybody has a heartbeat at the end of it. Okay? That does not mean that it was successful in terms of what we're trying to do to save the twins, but that's like number 1. Then the following day, the day after surgery, which was Thursday for me, no, Friday for me, uh, they do a scan of the babies and they want to see, did they survive overnight? Have they adjusted to the changes in blood flow that we, that we made here? And what happens when the uterus, a huge milestone was related to me not going into labor, Because what happens when the uterus is poked and prodded and and messed with is it contracts, right? So one of the things I didn't expect in the surgery is that in addition to all of the other things going on, I was contracting pretty significantly, even though they already had me on a magnesium drip. And magnesium helps to relax your muscles. So magnesium can relax the uterus and, and help it slow those contractions. So, with a another milestone was, can we stop your contractions after surgery, and keep you from going into labor? The first night, the goal was, I think I got out of the operating room around three thirty in the afternoon, and the goal was they wanted to see me having fewer than six contractions per hour, and I was having contractions like every minute, every ninety seconds. Um, it was, it was a lot. So they kept increasing the dose of my magnesium, which then they have to monitor you super carefully because if you take too much magnesium, and we're talking far in excess of the amounts that you're going to see in a dietary supplement. But when you, when you take too much, it can mess with your heart rhythm because magnesium has a huge function in, in uh, your heart rhythm. So they were coming in constantly to make sure that my body would... Slow down that my uterus would calm down, it took longer than I think we were comfortable with uh, from like three thirty that afternoon until probably three thirty the following morning, I was contracting what felt like for me pretty much constantly it just felt like I was getting very little ra- very little break to catch my breath between these contractions um, and that was a scary thing, but that was another milestone so The babies had heartbeats after surgery. Of course I did. And then we didn't scan them overnight. We were waiting till the next day, but we were able through some increased medications and combinations of medication and a whole lot of prayer from a whole lot of people to get my uterus to contract less. It's still contracting. So I'm recording this on Saturday morning. Um, Surgery was... Thursday, and I'm still having contractions, but they are nowhere near as frequent as they were. Right now, they're probably maybe one every 90 minutes. Um, And we need that to slow down even more. So that's kind of another milestone. The next milestone is, do we see any improvements in the flow to the twins you don't want to all of a sudden see that the twin that had too little fluid all of a sudden has perfect fluid because that if that's on day one then it happened too fast and that means uh oh something's wrong we there's a we put a hole somewhere or we you know missed some things to close off or we closed off something that the baby that previously had more fluid needed so you don't want to see like this dramatic change overnight you want to see small changes because again, if the change happens too quickly, it basically means that they did something wrong um, and, or, or that there was a problem with the procedure. So the next milestone was to scan the babies on Friday, yesterday. I think it was around probably around 11.30 uh, in the morning that they came up to do the scan. Number one, they both have heartbeats. Number two, can we see a small change in the fluid? Does the baby with less fluid have a little more? Does the baby with more fluid have a little less? Oh, and I should say, prior to the end of surgery, they withdraw fluid. So they, during surgery, they pumped a liter of fluid into my uterus, very uncomfortable. And then after, so at the end of surgery, they removed two liters. So they removed the liter that they put in plus an extra liter from the baby that had too much. So they want to see what's the situation now, you know, because obviously the baby that had too much has less because they removed some, but uh, do we have any indication of improved flow to the baby that had less? And what the surgeon explained to me was bonus points if we see the baby with less fluids bladder, because remember I said we weren't able to see it prior to surgery, bonus points, but we don't expect that on day one. We don't expect that on day one. We'd love to see it on day two, but you know what? We might not see it for a week because sometimes these things are just really, really gradual and that's okay. And then I said, when, when might we expect to see the improvements in the heart, in the baby with too much fluid? And she said, sometimes it's a week to two weeks after surgery. Uh, on rare occasions, we can see it right away. Sometimes it doesn't resolve until after they're born, and we say, "Hey, follow up with a um, with a cardiologist after the babies are born um, if you make it that far." So when we did the scan on Friday, we were basically able to see all the things that we wanted to see. So that's another huge milestone. So you know me, I'm looking at the surgeon. I'm like, okay, so can I feel a little more confident now? Like this seems like you know, all really great signs. Do you feel like we have a chance of a great outcome? And she said, it's too soon to say. There's a long road ahead. I'm now at very high risk for premature labor. Um, So either my uterus contracting too much too soon or my water breaking, those kinds of things. Um, so I'm on bed rest and I can't pick up Roman. And even, even on bed rest, I'm still at higher risk of going into labor prematurely, but also we don't know if the procedure was successful for the twins yet. What we know is that we saw some good indications one day post-op, but that doesn't really mean that, okay, great, we're good to go and we're going to carry these babies to term. Um, We just don't know. I have to be followed really closely to just see. So it's it's a day by day, situation right now. And that's a difficult place to be because I want certainty and I want to know that it looks good or I want to know that they're going to be okay, that we're going to, you know, it's going to be a long road, we're going to get there. And that's just not the nature of this kind of, um, of this kind of diagnosis. So, I wanted to share that, again, I, I, uh, I was about to apologize for there not being a podcast today, but I'm not going to apologize, because I am bummed for the inconvenience of it, and I always want to be really consistent, but also, this is real life, and I wanted to pop on and make sure you guys know what's up, I also wanted to throw something out there that I think is really interesting, there have been a handful of people And I've been very um, careful to not go too far into the comments because sometimes people share things that are like not helpful. And I I know people's intentions are great, but, and everybody's different, right? Like it's not helpful for me when somebody says, oh, I know somebody who went through this surgery and this was their experience, or I'm an OB and I know a patient who went like, that's just not helpful to me because it's like apples and orangutans. Every situation is so different. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting is, and I'd love to know what you guys think of this, a number of people said they're going to be fine, or they're going to be okay, or they're going to be great. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, And it it just got me thinking, like, why do we do that? Because obviously the person commenting doesn't know that. And 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 initially, I'll be very honest, it initially felt a little... It stung for me because I'm a mom who lost a kid. So it wasn't okay for Dagny. But like, you, you think it's going to be okay for the twins because you said it's going to be okay for the twins and that's supposed to like, what, make you feel better? Make me feel better? But I always try to be curious when I feel that, you know, that, that, that rising tension where like something starts to get you. I was feeling that rising tension when I would notice comments like that. And I don't want want to feel that way. So I would kind of ask myself like, well, you know, I wonder why people do that. And I think they do it to make either me feel better or themselves feel better or both. But then it got me thinking, because I'm sure I've said that to somebody, like everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And so I challenged myself, what are some better things that I can make sure that I say to people? Because the fact of the matter is, I don't know if the twins will be okay. I don't know. My surgeons don't know. My husband doesn't know. Everyone praying in my family doesn't know. But what I think we can say is, I'm praying for you, or I'm hoping for the best possible outcome, or we don't have to say anything at all, or if we're close to the person, what do you need? How can I help? Some of my... my um mastermind members are just so amazing you know like asking things like how can we support you you know and and the answer might be nothing because that was kind of my thing like prayers are really the only thing at this point in time but I just I wanted to throw that out there because I know there are a lot of people who are going through hard things that's certainly not something that is unique to me or unique to my situation life is tough for a lot of people So, I wanted to throw that out there and and just, you know, what do you say to somebody if they're going through something where you feel like the words are tricky and hard to come by? Because I will tell you from my perspective saying, like, it's gonna be fine or you're gonna be fine or they're gonna be fine isn't super helpful. You know what I mean? Um, But anyway, just thought I would initiate that conversation. I'm like, what do you say? What's your approach? I'm grateful for you all. I will keep you posted to the extent that I can, that I feel comfortable. I wanted to get on the other side of the surgery and the other side of the first day post op scan before I shared anything. And here we are. So I will continue to provide updates as we go. And just thank you guys all for being such an incredible community. I'll talk to you soon.